The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involves varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. And officially welcome. Here we go on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show in the next hour. It's pretty action-packed. We're about to get into a market recap of a pretty wild week. Also on the way, discordant retirement. That's when spouses aren't on the same page when it comes to retirement goals. And that's a problem. We're going to take a look at that and offer some solutions. Ask Annex is on the way. We'll talk about Gen Xers. That's Generation Xers between 41 and 56. What are the challenges they face with retirement planning? Let's introduce everyone everybody. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. And Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Welcome to you. Thank you, Danny. Yeah, as, as you said, there is a lot to talk about. Of course, the market's volatility certainly continued, but we really want to start off with what happened with the labor report that came out on Friday morning. Certainly, we saw an ADP report that did not connect with what came out of the payroll report. And what was shockingly to me, Derek, was before the report was listed, and uh, given to us, the White House came out and said, expect a really lousy report. Of course, the payroll comes from the government, and the White House certainly was not on the same page. Right. I guess they they read too much into the ADP report, which showed a a loss of 310,000 jobs. But what we saw was actually a whopping 467,000 new jobs in January and an upward revision of the prior two months of almost 800,000. So what it really says to me is Omicron really did not affect the strength of the labor market. Now, we, we have seen adjustments as the time goes on. And really, I thought that the more important part was going to be the adjustments going backwards versus the information that they got, maybe not even in real time, because these reports are really just surveys. And who they surveyed or when they surveyed certainly could affect that report. Well, and the other thing that may have affected it, too, is typically what you see is seasonal workers get laid off after the holidays. But because labor's in shortage, employers decide to hang on to those folks so that when you annualize it out, it is actually a seen as a job gain as opposed to a job loss. Right. And one of the things I think you have to take away from it is if the job report is good, it certainly gives the Fed more runway because, of course, we certainly talked about inflation and everything that was going into it. It was shocking to us is that the Fed uh, did not see the inflation coming with supply chain issues, obviously with labor shortages, with raw material shortages. And now we expect an inflation report next week. And it's going to be even worse than what we've seen before because of rising energy prices. Right. We've seen a sharp rally. WTI was trading at $92 on Friday. Uh, The odds now of a 50 basis point hike in March, which I know you don't believe will occur, are now up to 34%. Certainly gives the Fed ample room to do so, given the strength of the economy. Uh, But we'll see later with that CPI report next week and how the Fed will react to the data. And the reason why I say that, Derek, is that generally the Fed has been good for a long time about telegraphing what they're going to do. And they certainly telegraphed that they were going to taper and address inflation later down the road. That's the reason why they haven't said anything or led me to believe, my personal opinion, that it would be 50 basis points unless what we see next week is so hideous of an inflation report that they have to. Well, and in the UK, you know, we saw that the EU did not raise their interest rates, but the UK central bank did raise their interest rates by 25 basis points, but it was a five to four majority. Four of those members wanted a 50 basis point hike. 
And so if they have this hike, and by the way, this is a really important piece. When other countries are raising rates or even like, for example, China lowering rates and we're doing something opposite, that affects the U.S. dollar. And when the dollar gets affected, Derek, it certainly hurts companies that ship abroad. Right. I mean, it makes their products more expensive. Uh, but basically, um, the dollar historically, when the Fed begins a tightening cycle, the dollar tends to go lower. And that's something that most people wouldn't expect. And if that were to occur, that just makes uh, overseas investments that's much more attractive, which is why we constantly advocate having a balanced portfolio, because equities overseas are much less expensive than U.S. stocks and are far less concentrated in technology, which I think is an over group. In the last 30 seconds, we uh, have been talking about the 10-year Treasury, and 10-year Treasury got to 1.92 on Friday, towards the 2% that we had talked about. What is interesting is the difference between what the Fed can do and what the overall markets are doing, and there seems to be a disconnect. The last thing I think the Federal Reserve will want to do is what's called inverting the yield curve, and we're going to talk about that, Danny, when we get back. A lot of what the markets did this week seeped their way into mainstream news coverage, and they spooked some people. And if that's you, we would like to help at least do our part to set your mind at ease through a complete plan that includes investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. What we do is we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. It's a complete plan that includes every single aspect of our team. We're not sending you to different places. It's under one roof with Annex Wealth Management. But again, the most important part, we're a fee-only fiduciary. You can do it on a weekend. You can head to our website. It explains a lot of who we are and how we operate. It's AnnexWealth.com. What you need to do is click that Get Started button and start the wealth metric process. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, and we're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. We are back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Real quick, got a couple of brand new episodes up at AnnexWealth.com of our Moving In Retirement Series. The first is, who will you be? And that's an important discussion. So make sure you view that if you're thinking of moving in retirement, maybe to a different place, maybe a second place. The uh, second episode is Moving in Retirement what do you want? <laughs> That's the story of my marriage. That would be it. Exactly. What do you, you want? Need both. What do you want? So, and again, check that at AnnexWealth.com. We love to do a lot of learning and education series for our uh, clients and for non-clients as well. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. Derek Felsky in the studio along with Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, as we ended the last segment, we talked about a crazy thought called an inverted yield curve. And the reason why I bring it up is because if you're getting your statements, there may be a little bit of anxiety because both stocks and bonds did not have a good January. And of course, uh, that will cause some people some uh, concern when they look at their statements. Right. The, the typical 60-40 portfolio actually lost 5.4% in January, which rarely happens. Generally speaking, equities and fixed income go in opposite directions, but that didn't happen this month. But again, you know, at 1.94, there wasn't a whole lot of protection from interest rates anyway. Exactly, on the 10 years. So the reason why we bring that up is because, as Derek just pointed out, 1.94, he's talking about the 10-year Treasury. And think about it, that's 10 years out. That's 10 years away from now. And so if the Fed are, is raising short-term rates because that's what they can control, they don't 
don't control a longer-term rate, they would be very cognizant of trying not to invert the yield curve because that has been in a harbinger in the past. Right, and the thing that's interesting to me is when you look at the TIPS curves, the five-year and the 10-year, what the bond market is suggesting is inflation is going to run about 2.6%, well below the 7% we saw last month and probably the potentially 8% we're going to see this month. But that's a negative real rate of return. So essentially, if you're buying a treasury at 1.94, you're losing money in real terms. Most investors don't like that. And in fact, that's the primary rationale why people believe dividend-paying stocks and equities in general that make money and have a P multiple are the place to be. Yeah, that's a great point. So of course, we talked a little bit about this, but the inflation uncertainty, and there's going to be a lot of talk about this in the next week, but if certainly we have talked about the increase of the money supply of 30%. That in and of itself is inflationary. And you throw on top of that supply chain disruptions, labor disruptions, raw material shortages, of course, global supply chain that we talked about, and demand. Demand spiked as well. And so wages and rents, all of that goes into this. Some of this, Derek, still could dissipate late in 2022 or in 2023. Right. That, that's our expectation that the goods inflation that we've seen, the spikes in the prices of aluminum and used cars and the rest, that's more or less transitory. That probably has already peaked. But what's likely to be persistent is the service side, which is actually a bigger portion of CPI than the goods size. That's things like owner equivalent rent, which trail the increased of housing prices. That's wages, which we're seeing at up 5.7% on a year-over-year basis. And as you mentioned earlier, oil prices. We have a structural deficit in oil, and potentially the shale producers will get back in the market. But right now, supply is tight. And just think what happens when the world economy really starts to recover as Omicron goes away. Or really global or geopolitical concerns. And of course, what's happening with Russia, they have Nord Stream 2, which is the pipeline coming out of Russia through Ukraine all the way through Western Europe and into Germany. If that is disrupted, that could spike inflation even higher. So why do we tell you all of that? Is because there's places to be in your portfolio, Derek, that can do well in this type of environment. Absolutely. In the fixed income side, you want to have more credit sensitivity than interest rate sensitivity. So that's things like bank loans, high-yield bonds, and the rest. On the equity side, energy for sure is is something that's gained a lot of attention. Had a great year last year. Uh, We do own a couple of names of that in our equity income strategy, you have to be cognizant of what the price of oil is, and that's very difficult to predict, but energy certainly is a place people have been running to. Financials as well, I mean, the banks had decent quarters. Uh, They'd benefit if the yield curve starts to steepen as the economy recovers in, say, the second and third quarters as inventories are restocked. Uh, And technology, really, the fundamentals there are good. Now, there have been some high-profile misses. You know, Facebook, for example, lost $200 billion in market cap in a single day. That's the most a company has ever lost in a single day. But then, of course, Amazon flipped that Amazon flipped it around. They had a great, they beat on operating income and they did discuss cost pressures, but AWS, which essentially is the backbone of the cloud, the internet cloud, continues to pour cash into their pockets. And so as you are trying to increase the performance of your portfolio, you have to make sure that the risk is aligned. There's ways to do that across individual names, sectors, and regions, and there's a way to find this out. If your plan has slowly crept off base, uh, we would like a chance to steer it back on course, and we can do that as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, most important part, and we're going to say it again and again, we are a fee-only fiduciary website, AnnexWealth.com. We are going to be right back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday, February 6th. We're going to be back on 92.5 Fox News. 
It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, our fourth show in this time slot. We're probably going to explain it many times, Dave Spano, um, how we do business because we think there is a significant difference between financial advisors, and that's how we do it at Annex Wealth Management. And there, is, there really is a significant difference, and it really starts with being a fee-only fiduciary. Write it down, ask your advisor uh, if they operate under that, and what is the custodial services that they use? Is it Schwab? Is it Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, and the like? Because that is really important, and it gets expensive. One thing I do want to talk about because, you know, we talked about a lot of the risks in the last two segments, but there are things you can do to play defense. And of course, we all know in sports defense wins championships. Uh, asset allocation is one of those defensive strategies, but there's other ways to do that, including rebalancing. Derek is also things like buying defensive names and so on. Well, I think, you know, when you think about what's going on, you know, we're going to see a transition from people buying stuff like goods, cars, you know, boats and whatnot to doing stuff. And the Fed is in a box. But there are areas of the market that are, are very underexploited. Think about the companies that have really been hampered by Omicron. That's like hotels, casinos, restaurants, that sort of thing. There are a lot of very well-run companies. And those companies do make money. By so the you, way, I, and I get that. But in Southwest Florida, man, you can't get into some of these restaurants. So I, I do get that. But we're talking about globally. We're talking about nationally. And that could be a difference. Well, I've heard that Florida is the freest state, according to the governor. But that, that being said, if you think about like a cruise line, you know, they've had a, a real struggle, but those stocks are now pretty cheap. They look expensive on a PE because their earnings are depressed. But when you normalize their earnings, they come out to, to be reasonably well valued. And not only that, they're going to be less impacted by rising rates because they actually make money and trade at low multiples. They don't have the same duration on their earnings trajectory that some of these soft enterprise software companies do. And so when you look at some of these companies, you know, there is probably a reason to drop some of these hot stocks. You know, I know a lot of people own Apple and Facebook and the like. And Amazon obviously blew their earnings out of the water. And Apple's going to come out with this foldable 5G phone or maybe even more, maybe even 6G or 7G. But that's coming down the road. And of course, you know, we saw what's happening with Facebook and Google. That doesn't mean those are the only names that you can buy in that space. Right. And so like when I go back to my days as a tech fund manager, I remember Cisco Systems was my largest holding in, in the tech portfolio. That stock still has not eclipsed the high it made in 2000, despite the fact that they make four times as much money as they did then. So people that have been waiting for that old price to happen are still waiting and perhaps lost their patience and dumped it. Coming up, I want you to stick around. We always say know the difference. This is the hear the difference segment. Dave, I know you know this guy. Tom is a client. He did all the research, looked at a number of different firms. He didn't pick us first until he found his first choice lacking. So I want you to hear that story. And we're going to do that next Sounds on Money good. Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Week in Review, Know the Difference Minutes, team segments, planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head to YouTube and search Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, and that's the goal of this segment. Another opportunity to meet a real-life client of Annex Wealth Management who we work with for investment, retirement, estate, 
and tax planning. Let's say hello to Tom. Hey, Tom. Hi, Danny. At the top, some quick questions. You are a client of Annex Wealth Management. Yes, I am. Annex is not providing any type of compensation for your time for this segment. Correct. And there are no conflicts of interest between you as a client and Annex as a firm. No, none that I know. There you go. Well, we like transparency. You've been a client for three years now. Before that, you were an active do-it-yourselfer when it came to investment and retirement-related decisions. You did all the research, all the analysis. You were probably pretty good at it. I thought I was doing okay at it. And actually, Dan, if you remember, I was a client of another company before it came to Annex. So I've been a client of someone's for a little over five years. But probably since the 80s, I really pretty much managed my own portfolio, and I did all my investment decisions. And did all the legwork. But as I became closer and closer to retirement, there's way too much to know and to do. So I turned it over to somebody. But Anna and I have been together for three plus years now. Do you remember about when it was that you thought, you know what, I might need a pro on my side? It would have been five years ago. So probably 2016. And I was getting closer. I I knew I was going to be retiring. The numbers were getting closer. I had been meeting my goals. My kids were going into college. Things were happening. And it's like, there's too many moving parts to really understand pretty good with some of them but this is your future you're talking about and you're gonna like cut the lifeline of a paycheck and go and live off of your savings and the things that are are there with you so so that's when it was time to time to get some real help you were within the 10 yard line and heading for the goal line yep didn't need to fumble so that was not a quick search you investigated a number of name brands some local some nationally based when you were looking for a partner what were you looking for what do you remember the big thing was is that when you're taking all of your life savings and it's somebody that you're going to trust somebody that's easy to do business with i like the local factor as you know when you talk about it when you're just talking to a person on the phone whom you may never never meet it's just not that same comfort level because it's it's your money and so I was looking for that, looking for some track record, basically somebody you trust. You did all that research, and when it came down to deciding, ta-da, Annex was not your first choice. <laughs> not my first choice. To give Annex credit, it wasn't that they weren't my first choice. At that time, Annex was growing so much that I just had concerns that they, in a back office sense, would be able to, to keep up. There was expansion going on. It was growth. It was explosive growth with their business. And having been in a company that does grow and does mergers and acquisitions and does other things and have seen things go wrong, I was just a little concerned that the back office could keep up with the front office side of it. So it wasn't necessarily that they were my my second choice. I had reservations. And because it was my money and I was conservative, I, I went with basically what was my second choice. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We're chatting with Tom, a client of Annex Wealth Management. So... You broke our heart. You're with somebody else. What were the signs that maybe you needed to think of a, a different partner? What it was is I, I was always kind of keeping an eye on Annex because they said at that point, Annex was my choice. My client rep, Mark, was persistent. He didn't let go. He kind of just checked in every once in a while. We had some conversations and things. And, and then it really was coming back to, all right, it seems like you've been able to grow. You've opened all these offices, um, nothing on social media, nothing in the news. And there's no bad press, so you, it looks like you're able to pull it off. And so we started going back, and we took a look at it again. But th- then it was like the, all right, what are you getting for your money? Because they obviously don't do it for free. But with the comprehensive tax planning and estate planning added in, which I kind of got a little bit of, but not to the same formality. There weren't subject matter experts with the other company that you met with. That and actually a lower fee says, wait, I think it's time to move and give them a chance. How long have you been retired now? Three years. Anything surprise you with retirement? I was kind of ready for it, but I think um, what surprised me is how easy I moved into it. Probably the hardest part is managing your budget and, and spending your money as opposed to making money and spending the money you make. 
it's a whole different mindset because now you're you're living off of everything. But when you look at it and the money's still growing and you're living off of it and things are going okay. You look to be a fairly young guy. Did you retire early? Yes, I did. Good for you. Did you get to the point where you're bored or you've been finding things? I'm not bored. I do odd jobs. I volunteer. My vacation. Anything you would have changed in the approach to the way you approach retirement or retirement planning? I would have gone earlier. A lot of people... They just don't feel, even though the financial person tells them they're ready to go, maybe I could, I could have gone probably a year or two years earlier, and, and maybe I should have. Tom is a client of Annex Wealth Management. Wasn't always that way. Chose a different company, decided that Annex fit the needs a little bit more closely. Tom, we're glad to have you as a client. Hope we can be part of a great retirement for many, many years. Thanks for coming in. No, thank you very much, Danny. You finally reached your savings goal, but even while you're celebrating, questions start to pop up. How much will you really spend in retirement? What about the impact of taxes? Because you know, changes are coming. At Annex Wealth Management, we understand the uncertainty you're feeling. You're not alone. A recent study shows that more than one third of retirees underestimated how much they'd spend. Then there's the impact of rising healthcare costs. There's so many parts to a well-crafted investment and retirement plan that includes tax and estate planning. You're smart enough to know you don't have all the answers. That also means you're smart enough to know where to get help. Now is the time to act, and there's a partner ready to roll up sleeves and get to work on your behalf. The team at Annex Wealth Management is ready to listen, review what you've got with our complimentary portfolio review, and put a plan in place for you and your family. Visit AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary on your side. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference, Team Tech Trust discordant retirement. That's a thing. It sounds like a marital spat, but it really just describes a phenomenon retirement researchers have been digging into lately. The fact that few married couples retire at the same time. Deanne Phillips is here to talk about this. She's Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, as well as the CFP and a CDFA Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Welcome back, Deanne. Hey, thanks for having me. Discordant retirement. This is a thing. It really is. Retirement's very complex. Years ago, people were tired when they retired. And here, we talk about retirement in multiple stages. And psychologists, of course, have talked about this a lot. We call it when you first retire your go-go years, where first you're in the honeymoon stage. You have that honey-do list. You have the things that you always dreamed about doing. And then your slower-go years, then your no-go years, right? Slower-go and no-go make a little bit more sense, but it's those go-go years. And when you hit that at different ages and you've got one spouse, usually the wife who's still potentially working, there's a whole different phase that you can go through. And that is rediscovering yourself and how you're going to spend that money in that very first part of retirement. So you see this all the time. What would you say is the percentage of couples who do not retire at the same time? Well, there was a recent survey by Fidelity Investments that found that about 43%, so almost half of married couples, disagreed about the age they'll retire. You know, the average age of retirement is 63, but that's a difficult statistic to answer, Danny, because half of those people go back to work in some capacity. So everybody really goes through a phase of defining what is retirement. You know, we saw about 10 years ago a slew of um, the younger baby boomers who might have lost their jobs. There, were, there was downsizing that was happening. And when you're down 
downsized in your late 50s, early 60s, you're kind of faced with the decision then, do I want to go ahead and find something in my old field? Will I be able to? Will there be, even if it's not mentioned, some sort of what I feel is age discrimination or do I just slip into retirement now? So discordant retirement's been around for a while. The question is, you know, how do people pick themselves up from their bootstraps and get beyond that first self-identification phase? What's the problem if they can't agree on when they're going to retire? Uh, that, okay. It's really a psychological answer okay. to that question. When my parents retired, my dad retired first, my mom worked for another couple of years, and it seemed just fine. Was that their generation? Yeah, it really is. So greatest generation, when women entered the workforce during that generation, it was a, a little bit of different assumptions. They still were making that bridge to, remember, women didn't sit on boards mm-hmm. much then. They didn't run companies as much then. So it was really making that bridge bridge to being outside of the traditional June Cleaver role and really working. So it was a little bit easier for them to, I'm making generalization here, but to slip back into that supportive role in the home later on. Now you flash forward to the Gen Xers and certainly the Gen Ys and you look at our generation as Gen Xers, Danny, you know, the women, of course we were going to, for the most part, go to college and work a full time, have a career. And women's and, and men's brains, because we're wired differently. Women are just so used to having that multitasking, you know, we have to have the, we're the caretaker, maybe our aging parents, the kids, we're the ones who have to have the kids, right? And so we take time off for that a little bit, potentially. We have our friends, we have our social experience. When we look at how men generate, we're operating into that retirement. It really depends on their personality type. But remember, someone who's an A-type personality does not stop being an A-type personality in retirement. We're talking about discordant retirement with Deanne Phillips. There's a discordant phase. One spouse works uh, longer than another. We should talk about great financial planning because that's what Annex Wealth Management does. And this is where really you get into eligibility for pensions or when are you going to start taking Social Security distributions? When do you start pulling from that bucket? Right. So obviously there's a lot of financial decisions that have to be made as you are moving up to the point where you're deciding upon retirement, whether or not you're retiring at the same age or not. But if there is that discordance, if one spouse is going to continue working and the other does happen to retire early uh, before the age of 65, let's call that early from a healthcare point of view, because that's when you can take Medicare, right? That's when it can kick in. So you have to look at things as a financial planner, like your healthcare benefits, your Medicare benefits, what that bridge is going to look like and what that expense will be. So we talked about planning. Also, we need to talk about vision. We do ask our clients, you know, are you thinking that you're going to age in place? And what that really means is if you're going to do a major revision remodeling and you're in your late 50s, early 60s, are you going to stay there or why are you doing it? You know, what's your thought behind it? It's never too early to begin the discussion of how you envision your downtime together. You know, as, as a certified divorce financial analyst, you know, unfortunately, we've really seen the rise of gray divorce. That's divorce in people over the age of 50 because they have this discordant timing and or thought on what that's going to look like that you're going to want to start a conversation with with your spouse. Deanne Phillips, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. 
We can review, know the difference minutes, planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Just search Annex Wealth Management. We're back. It's time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? We are wide open at AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. Of course, as always, if we can help, you just click that Get Started button in the studio. Randy Winkler, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thanks, Danny. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, also a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks, guys. Had this in mind for you. We have three quick questions we're going to go through. And, and this is one, Deanne, I know that you work with quite a bit, things like this. It's from Susan. I was recently widowed, but my husband and I had a financial plan. How quickly do I need to have the plan reviewed for my new reality? Can I use the current plan for another six months, a year? Well, so one of the things you have to think about are your beneficiary designations. You know, many people have their spouse as a primary beneficiary and then maybe a contingent or secondary beneficiary listed. But if you don't have that after your spouse passes, it could create some confusion if you never update it. So while there are certain things you don't want to rush in transition, like uh, selling your home, for example, if you don't need to, estate planning is actually something that should be addressed sooner rather than later, because there will be an impact on your overall financial picture as a whole. This is where a financial advisor can assist you um, by helping organize priorities in a time frame. And say sooner, you mean months? Yeah, I, I would say within a few months. I would say it depends on the time of year also and the age. If the deceased was already receiving RMDs and dies near the end of the year, the surviving spouse is going to have to talk about RMDs. So there can be a little bit of urgency there. Yeah, the requirement. At the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. it's not as urgent. Good point. Next question is from Carol. I'm looking for a good way to get my grandchildren to think about savings and investing. Any suggestions? I love this question because I think it's really fun to get kids involved because you can see their enthusiasm when they learn and very often will learn more than their parents. <laughs> uh, a couple, couple of things I've seen that have been very successful, uh, parents or grandparents offering a savings match, kind of like an employer does and say, mm. okay, you put away $100 a month out of your, uh, or $100 out a year out of your salary, however much it is, and they'll match it dollar for dollar. Something I did when my niece and nephew were younger, they got toys for Christmas, but they got stock for their birthday. And it got them interested in companies like, uh, at the time, Chuck E. Cheese and um, um, Marvel Comics, which was bought up by Disney. So it's created some attitudes and ideas about money from a very young age by making it tangible. Yeah, you can actually get one stock certificate of Disney, and it's really pretty, and put it up on the wall. They kind of grew up seeing that, and when it's the time to explore that, you can. And then you take them to Disney and say, see that trash can over there? You own like a dime-sized spot on there, you know. But it makes it real. makes it tangible. I actually like there's a a savvy piggy bank that's really cool. It's a four-part piggy bank. Save, invest, donate, and spend. And you can teach them each part of it. I love the donate, the give back. When it was my daughter's turn, I also did a match with my kiddo and said, for every dollar you put in there, I'll match it. And she took her little coins and went to the Humane Society after we talked about charities, dumped them out in the wishing well, and all the volunteers were applauding her. And then they gave her a tour of the puppies. And then they followed up with a note saying, thank you so much for opening up your piggy bank to us. And it really taught her about different aspects of how money can be spent. It's great if the parents and grandparents get involved because our school's notoriously do not do a great job of educating people on 
money, it's going to have to come from somewhere else than the classroom. I'm going to invent one that has a fifth slot, and that's taxes, because they need oh, to realize goodness. that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, this is funny. My daughter actually just texted me. She's 18. She's in college across the country, and she's had a job. She, said, she texted me in a fury saying, Mom, you're going to do my taxes, right? Because I don't want to go to jail. It was so cute. It was like, comes the dawn. Like, I'm going to have to pay on this, right? <laughs> Here's another piece of reality, sweetie. Doing your taxes stinks. It right? Does. Right. There you go. And our last question, I know you got some thoughts on this, and this one is from Alan. What are the guidelines for establishing residency in another state for tax purposes? Six months in one day? You know, Alan, great question, because a lot of people jump to the six months in a day, but that's actually really only just one statutory rule of a particular state, and it might just be one of many rules. Often, when you try to undomicile from a state, you're leaving. That's actually harder than setting up the domicile in another state, because the states have revenue reasons to keep taxing you, speaking of taxes, and they're going to fight hard to keep taxing you after you leave. So they may presume you to remain in the domicile until certain conditions are met. And every state's a little bit different. So you really have to figure out what your state requires, establish a domicile, then be sure you undomicile from your previous state. And you have a whole series on this, right? Moving in retirement. That thing has been wildly popular. Yeah, it has. Uh, so many people in this environment, I think, are looking to pick up and figure out maybe retiring early, you know, figure out who they want to be and where they want to do it. And uh, that sometimes that's in a tax-free, state income tax-free state, or sometimes it's a warmer climate they're chasing. If we can help with investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, we always do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. If you got a question for Ask Annex, all you have to do is look for the Ask button at AnnexWealth.com. But the website is a great place to start again, AnnexWealth.com. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Remember how it first started? Your uncle or cousin or someone you knew made the introduction. You were swept off your feet. Constant phone calls, lots of attention. It was a little slice of heaven. But somewhere it changed. The calls slowed to a trickle. If you even heard from them, you started to think you weren't getting all the answers. What seemed too good to be true in the beginning was exactly that. That's how many folks feel about their financial advisor, especially after you learn about conflicts of interest, excessive fees, lack of resources, and experience just plain and simple being ignored. Annex Wealth Management is different. As a fee-only fiduciary, our role is to provide comprehensive investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning using our team built to serve. We're experienced, we're local, we're ready. And most importantly, we're a fee-only fiduciary. Meet the challenges of this year with a partner acting in your best interest. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference? This is a team segment with Brandon Arps from the Annex Ignite team. Welcome back, Brandon. Glad to be here, Danny. CNBC headline said, Millennials bullish on Roth IRAs. Many wish they started earlier. Isn't that the case with everything? <laughs> it sure is. Right? <laughs> um, it's important when saving, investing, planning for retirement to get in there early. And that's where Annex Ignite comes in for many clients who are starting out, or maybe they're starting late. Ignite is built for them. Exactly, Danny. Yeah, we're just easy to engage. We're easy to talk to. We're trying to have a casual conversation about where you are what your goals are, and how we can help you achieve them. Because we always say that financial planning really is for everybody. You don't have to be a Rockefeller. You got that right. So, Brandon, there is a lot of competition. We've talked about this before for the paycheck. Every stage of life, you got student debt you're paying off. You got credit card debt. You got kids eventually. You got houses. You got car payments. 
toys. It's easy to put retirement on the back burner. You, you must see it all the time. I do. Yeah. And it is easy to do that. You know, you think about all those things that you just mentioned. Those are things that are happening right now. Retirement's going to happen for some in 30, 40, 50 years, maybe even shorter than that. But it is an afterthought. And really what we're finding is that the earlier that you engage and you, the earlier that you have these conversations, the sooner retirement becomes uh, a reality. Millennials seem particularly drawn to Roth IRAs, which are showing across the board uptick from all age groups. But it's interesting. Millennials opened 41% of new Roth IRA accounts last year. 74% of their contribution dollars are going into Roths. These are particularly useful if somebody's employer doesn't offer a 401k, right? Well, they are useful if you, if they don't have a 401k offer, but they're also very useful if, if you are contributing to a 401k. I mean, the reality is, is that retirement is expensive, and the more money you could put away, the sooner, the more money that you'll be able to pay yourself later. So we've heard of IRAs. What's the difference between an IRA and a Roth IRA? What makes it different? It's really about where you're taxed. Uh, the Roth IRA is after-tax dollars, meaning you get your paycheck, it goes into your bank account, you make your contribution, there's no write-off on taxes. What the real benefit of that is, you put $6,000 in each year, it grows tax-free, and when you use it in retirement, you're not taxed again. The difference between the Roth and the traditional, the traditional, you are not taxed on your contributions, meaning you can write that contribution off of your taxes in this year. However, the earnings that go into the account, um, and then your, your original contributions are taxed later in life. And another difference is the ability to tap into the contributions that are penalty-free. IRA, it's not that case. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, if you if you think about the Roth IRA, it's really an emergency fund for your emergency fund. You can tap into it. We tend to prefer not to tap into it if possible, but it's really there for you if you need to. You know, there's some trepidation about putting extra savings away into a Roth IRA or a retirement account. This kind of alleviates some of that concern, knowing that, hey, if the worst of the worst does happen, I can go back and get those funds that I contributed. Brandon Arps from the Annex Ignite team is here. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about something called a custodial Roth IRA. And this sounds like an amazing opportunity for a parent or a grandparent to help a young person get a head start on investing for retirement. How does a custodial Roth IRA work? Well, essentially, you know, consider little Johnny working in the summertime, putting up tents in, in, in high school. He makes six, eight, ten thousand dollars in a three or four month span, but he's not 18 yet. So mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they can open up a Roth IRA for their loved one. So essentially they help him open a Roth IRA and then they can make contributions into that account or um, little Johnny can make contributions into that account, but he's getting a head start on saving for retirement. I like that Johnny has to be working too. I mean, the little skin in the game. Exactly. And Brandon, you have personal experience with this. I do. Yeah. When I started um, working around 14 or 15, the Roth IRA contribution limit was was about $2,000. Now, my, my dad encouraged me to open up this strange sounding IRA when I was when I was that age. And he said, you know what? If you put $1,000 into this, I will match that $1,000. So it's a free $1,000. Obviously, my, my eyes lit up and I said, I would love a $1,000 raise. So I went ahead and did that. I just didn't know. I, I should have been doing this with my sons. It's fantastic. It, it really is. And you know, it, there's there's studies out there that you know that prove that the earlier that you put this in to the Roth IRA and let it grow into the markets, the higher the balance is going to grow over the years. Well, sure. And if little Johnny all of a sudden is 17 and he sees it over three years, what his money has grown to, the bug bites. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and, it's, and that's a good point because it's a good way to engage financial 
financial conversations with the younger folks that say, hey, look, this is the power of saving. This is the power of putting away early. This is what your account can grow to. Parents, grandparents, you can do this. It's called the Custodial Roth IRA. Brandon Arps is a wealth manager. He's part of the Annex Ignite team. We can make a difference, and you should know the difference. Brandon, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Danny. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. May I say hi to somebody? Of course. I want to say hi to Gene Kaufman. Gene gave me my first job in radio, and he texted me out of the blue when our show was on last week, and he said, so nice to hear you. He was the guy that gave me my first job at, oh, wow. at 15. It was oh. really great. So. And so he heard, he heard the show down here in Southwest Florida, yeah. and you uh, you originally started up in Michigan yeah, or Wisconsin, yeah, right? Yeah. What was called a youper. And so, in <laughs> fact, that's what his text said. He goes, there's a youper. So, great. I mean, this is absolutely a, you know, a fabulous place to live. And we were talking earlier about goods and services and you know boats and cars and things and then doing things. Why not both? But you know that's up to good and careful planning. Yeah, and it really is. And we talked about it, you know, as the matter of economics with inflation and people talking about they're buying goods, you know, stuff. And now they're going to do services. And, and services are a big part of the economy. And so we're going to have to watch that if there's a shift. And a shift in the way people spend, you know, you talk about people buying boats and cars and hard to get them in some cases. And so does that come back to normality at some point? Did you see this recent study that shows that we are tipping more? Which I, I believe. Yeah, if I I'm going to go that. out, yeah. I, you know... Yeah. Yep. I like to do that because, I mean, it could be my kid that, right. that is serving us. Yeah. You know, and I and I think part of that, honestly, is because everyone is doing economically better. You know, I know there's a lot of uh, consternation about, you know, economic separation. But, you know, there has been this rising tide that lifted lots of boats. And there all certainly was trillions of dollars that was sent out fiscally and monetarily. And people had money, so they were going out, people who normally wouldn't do that. And they are recognizing that service as well. I think we're coming up on the just the two-year mark. Doesn't it seem a whole lot longer? Yeah, crazy. I mean, March, yeah. It's it's going to be fun to say, do you remember back in the day when that COVID crap was around? You know, I, yeah, I just wonder if we're just all going to complain about it because it was awful. And in a way, I think it really showed different aspects of our personality. Some right. of us survived and some of us thrived and some got beat up pretty hard. And you I know mean, that you really this whole services thing, I think that's what Derek was alluding to earlier in the show, that some people were certainly cooped up and are gonna come out and they're gonna come out with a vengeance and they're gonna start spending that may mean that they're coming down to Southwest Florida. <laughs> that's fine. We got room to you know, spend your money folks and then go home eventually. Yeah. So folks if we can help with investment or retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, we've said it quite a bit on the show, but we do it as a fee only fiduciary. We always say that. Know the difference. It's one team, one plan, and one fee. Coming up next, it's a recent conversation we had on the show. Deanne was in here. She was talking about a new client who's got a lot of what are called passion assets. We're going to dig down into that. What are passion assets? How should they be included in your plan? Because we can do that, and we can help. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Back in a bit on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. You finally reached your savings goal. But even while you're celebrating, questions start to pop up. How much will you really spend in retirement? 
What about the impact of taxes? Because you know, changes are coming. At Annex Wealth Management, we understand the uncertainty you're feeling. You're not alone. A recent study shows that more than one third of retirees underestimated how much they'd spend. Then there's the impact of rising healthcare costs. There's so many parts to a well-crafted investment and retirement plan that includes tax and estate planning. You're smart enough to know you don't have all the answers. That also means you're smart enough to know where to get help. Now is the time to act, and there's a partner ready to roll up sleeves and get to work on your behalf. The team at Annex Wealth Management is ready to listen, review what you've got with our complimentary portfolio review, and put a plan in place for you and your family. Visit AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary on your side. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. This is a team segment. Deanne Phillips is here. She's Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, CFP, a CDFA, Wealth Manager at Annex. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Danny. All right. We're going to talk about passion assets. So there's stocks, bonds, annuities, and a bunch of other investment vehicles. What makes something a passion asset? Right. So what you were referring to before is titled property, like real estate investments, you know, even really cars. So we're talking about your furniture, the dishes, sporting equipment, musical instruments, collection of toys, even photos, even pets are considered passion assets. Because emotion is attached to them? Yeah, I think so. There are stories around those things. There are things that do not pass by beneficiary designation. And so that's really kind of a key point here. Is the goal when we're talking about passion assets, the eventual distribution being a joyful exercise? Because <laughs> I think it's something that people can get in fights. For sure. So let me ask you this. Have you ever moved? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does anyone really like moving? I mean, it's all about your stuff. And I always hear as a planner when people are looking to right size in retirement, they'll say, oh my gosh, I have to start with this basement because I've just been collecting all this stuff and I have to sort it out between the stuff that I want to keep, the stuff that's junk, the stuff I can donate, and the stuff other people might want. And so if they're already categorizing stuff other people might want and the stuff they want to keep, other than just the utilitarian things that they need, they're really talking about that stuff that they're connected to. And usually there's a story there. The question comes in, do your kids or other people really want that stuff or do we think they'll want it? And this is something that you want to do while you're still alive? I definitely, we want to do this while we're still alive. I mean, I'm looking at my 15-year-old kid, you know, she, I, I have certain collections. She could care less about all this collections. And for the most part, I think there was a magazine article that came out a couple of years ago, your kids don't want your old stuff, right? And that's very, very true. However, one of the exceptions could be where there's been a ritual that's been created around it. Like, for example, I know every Christmas, my daughter loves, because she's grown up with us, to sit with me and we put up the tree and we take out all the ornaments and there are stories behind certain ornaments. And that means a lot to her. That's actually a passion asset with a multi-generational connection that she will want to continue. A lot of times we make the assumption that if something is really important to us, a thing, it'll be important to people who are important to us. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, the number one item that people, the next generations really just don't want is books. If you think about the evolution of the hardback book and even textbooks now into electronic, you know, and people, even people who love the feel and the smell of books like me, right? We'll still use a Kindle because it's convenient. So there's a big difference between somebody's 1965 
Corvette Stingray, and then a collection of thimbles from around the world. Is that where the troubles start? Well, somewhat, because there's a valuation on that 65 Chevy, right? And so this is why it's important that you understand what actually has a value of your passion assets and what has that emotional value, because they're very different. So kind of as a rule of thumb, if it's something that you would do a writer on an insurance for, then there's some value. And there's been some research done on that, right? And probably there might be somebody out there who wants it, whether you're going to sell it or whether they're going to inherit it. A little different with a thimble collection, right? There might be one or two that are pretty cool. But for the most part, that's a hobby on an asset that was just cool for you as a hunter and gatherer to find. Let's talk about the sad case where somebody has passed and you have to go through somebody's house. What is the best method to divide those passion assets? I mean, I've heard of even people going through, it's almost like a draft where people kind of go through and put stickers on things. Yeah, stickers. Uh, the thing about that is, though, like, you know, you can itemize things in a will and say who gets what. The sticker method is not official. So the executor of the estate can go through and discount it if they want. I mean, I, you'd hope that you pick an executor who follows your wishes, but you have to be really careful on all that stuff. Oh, tell me the Civil War story. I love that one. Okay, so um, in going through my parents' stuff, I found family letters from the Civil War and I have my grandpa's on both sides uniforms from World War One. This is really cool stuff. So this is definitely a passion asset, something I would want to keep. There also is, besides sentimental value, there could be some sort of sellable value on that. But more importantly, I was thinking, you know, um, who couldn't get enjoyment out of this? Would the Civil War Museum want this? That way it's not just me keeping it, you know, in a dust-free environment to pull out if you come to my house to see it. But it, this way it's sharing it. And everybody has that kind of stuff if they've kept stuff through the years that could kind of go to the public for a greater good. So that's a way to donate and maybe share a passion asset as well. Deanne Phillips, our Director of Client Learning and Development and Annex Wealth Management, joining us. Thank you. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, the website, AnnexWealth.com. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary. Great show. Just about to wrap things up um, so far. Discordant retirement. Great discussion there. Ask Annex. Talked a little bit about Gen Xers and covered the X's and O's and everything in a kind of an interesting week on Wall Street. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer at Annex Wealth Management, is here. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Deal with Danny. Yeah, last week was interesting, and next week is going to be interesting as well. Lots of economic news will crowd out the major news as well because of the things that we're going to talk about here. Number one, an inflation report is going to come out. Of course, the Federal Reserve is making news, and of course, what's happening with Ukraine and Russia is going to also be there. But most importantly for us, what is now called the earnings season is upon us. And we alluded to what happened with big names like Facebook and Amazon, which clearly are moving the market because they're particularly large cap companies, because a lot of these, Derek, have indexes that are affected by market cap. Right. One of the principal risks that we've 
I think, enumerated any number of times on this show, is that the largest weightings in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ had fantastic 2020s and 2021. So they're vulnerable to profit-taking. We saw Alphabet. They reported a great quarter. Microsoft did as well, as did Tesla. But Facebook, one of the largest weightings in the S&P, was down 25% in a single day. Amazon, of course, rebounded. But these are expensive stocks. And one of the things you have to learn is when you're thinking about buying a company, look and see what the price of sales multiple is. If it's more than 10, you're betting a lot that that company is going to succeed, not just now, but for the, a decade. I remember Scott McNeely of Sun Micro saying, what were you all thinking? Why were you paying 10 times revenue for my hardware company? In, 19, in the 19, late 1990s. The, right at the peak of the tech bubble. Oh. And they're right now, 18% of the companies in the Russell 2000 are more than 10 times revenues. So don't buy those companies. Or if you do, make <laughs> right. sure you do the fundamental work to get to the valuation that makes sense. And if you do the fundamental work, if you're doing this by yourself, now, of course, we do this here in our investment committee. If you're doing this by yourself, look at companies that do two things. Number one, have they increased their sales? In other words, their revenue. And number two, have they increased their earnings? And are their earnings accelerating faster than their sales? That is a strategy that we do employ, Derek. And that's one of the things, if you're doing this yourself, that you got to go through and say, what are the fundamentals? What are the technicals? And do they fit into my portfolio? For almost you know 15 years now, all boats have gone up on a rising tide because of the interest rate markets. If that is changing, that could change the work that we do. Well, and, and don't think that just because a stock traded at 50 and now trading at 10, it's on sale. It could go to zero. I saw any number of companies that were big holdings in our technology portfolios at my former mutual fund job that no longer exist. They got bought out or they went bankrupt. So you really have to be disciplined about what we do. You put a technical overlay on top of companies as well. If their revenues are growing faster than their earnings, that's a good thing. If they're growing slower, that means there's margin expansion, but that can go the other way as well. So you combine a little bit of technical knowledge with the fundamentals, and you do, and you basically have a disciplined process that's repeatable and scalable. And that is what, when you hire a firm like Annex Wealth Management, this is the work that we, that we put into it. And it's not just on individual names. It's not just on Amazon and Facebook that, that we're talking about today, but it's also on exchange-traded funds. It is also on mutual funds, and it's also on the overlay of your complete portfolio. And it's not just domestic stocks. It's international stocks, and it's fixed income. And that's what an asset allocation is all about. And we do an X-ray on ETFs. So, for example, or any number of technology ETFs, we apply our quantitative principles to those ETFs and weight them according to their weighting those particular ETFs. So some ETFs are better than others based on our efforts. That is a great point, Derek. And as we do these X-rays, one of the things that is important for us is to go and say, do you own, as you alluded to earlier in the show, Apple across all of these portfolios? Because they could be in large cap, they could be in dividend paying, and also and you have this overlay on one particular stock. Well, in one specific ETF, Apple's of almost a 40% weighting. So you're really not getting a whole lot of diversification right. buying that ETF because essentially all the companies that are in that ETF probably service Apple in some way or another. Uh, the other thing that you want to do too is consider international because, you know, technology, as I mentioned earlier, has, has really dominated for a decade. And while we still believe the fundamentals there are solid, the reason international markets have lagged the U.S. is because they don't really have the tech sector that we do. They have a 9% weighting of tech in the EFA, whereas in the U.S., if you add communication services, it's roughly 40. You know, one of the sectors that we talked about earlier in the show was energy. And I find that interesting because to some extent it's, it's commoditized, right? So as fast as oil could go up, maybe it retreats back. 
economic, and then what does that do to the portfolio? Well, it would be a negative. I would argue that there are structural impediments now in the energy sector. The big oil companies are not investing as much in drilling for oil because ESG pressures and all the rest, you know, and green energy and whatnot. But we're starting to learn that green energy isn't free. Right. It's expensive. It involves a lot of mining. We don't have enough lithium. We don't have enough battery power and all the rest. It's going to take a long time. So energy is not going to go away as quickly as some would like. And all of this, folks, means that you need to navigate your way through all of this. And there is a way to do that by partnering with a fee-only fiduciary. I know I say it every week, but it is so important. We call it wealth metric. It's a great process. It combines all of our decades of experience with our state-of-the-art technology. We want to better serve our clients. It's more than a portfolio review. It answers questions like, how am I doing and what am I missing? And Dave, there's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion if you're with somebody else. It certainly helps. Yep, not a bad idea. Take us up on the offer. Why not? Do it on a weekend and start next week uh, heading in the right direction. We'd love to help. AnnexWealth.com is the website. Click that Get Started button. See you in a week on Money Talk. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.